Father, we are so grateful for your kindness to be able to gather this morning as your church to sing about your infinite love for your people, to be a part of your grand plan of redemption, Lord, we are humbled. We thank you for Christ and the unity that all of us have in him, the forgiveness of sins that we have received. We are thankful for the salvation that has been granted to us. And Lord, at this very moment, we, we, we just pause and we ask for your help. Help us to think carefully and to listen attentively to your word. We ask that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding of what we are reading. We ask that the Spirit would help us to truly taste and see who you are. Lord, that you are a gracious God who gives us the strength to persevere in this life and ministry that you've called us to. This morning we ask humbly that you would glorify your name, that you would encourage the faint-hearted, and that you would save the lost. And please do so, Father, for your glory and for our good. We ask these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, church, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we will find ourselves in verses 1 through 7. And as you make your way to our text this morning, I think it is good for us to be reminded that the Christian life is not easy. And please, do not listen to anyone who would tell you otherwise. One of the joys of my life in serving as a pastor has been the ability to sit and hear from many faithful elderly saints about the difficulties they've faced. And one common thread in these conversations is that every one of them as they've walked through the Christian life, as they've dealt with the, the trials and the sufferings and even some of the persecutions that they've faced for being a believer, they've all told me that they've been tempted to quit, to give up. They've even questioned, is the Christian life worth it? Yet, one of the joys I've received is talking to them on this side of their walk with Christ is to hear them go, yes, it is worth it. And they've encouraged even me to just continue to persevere in the Christian life and ministry. And friends, I, I wonder this morning if perhaps there are some of you who find yourself in a spot where you're just tired. Where you're weary or, or faint-hearted. Or perhaps you're saying, you know, being a Christian in 2022 in, in New York is just really hard and I'm just not certain it's worth it. Maybe you're tempted to throw in the towel and to give up. Well, friends, if that is you here this morning, take heart. You are not alone. In fact, if ever there was a man who understood the hardships of the Christian life and ministry, it was the Apostle Paul. In fact, after Christ confronted and saved him on the road to Damascus, Paul gave the rest of his days to living out the Christian life and proclaiming the gospel. It wasn't easy for him. No, friends, Paul was mocked, he was reviled, he was beaten, scorned, shipwrecked, and he was in prison, all because he was a believer in Jesus Christ and a proclaimer of his gospel. Yet, despite these many sufferings that Paul faced, he persevered. In fact, he remained faithful, he persevered in the Christian life and ministry, all the way to the point where he was executed 
for his faith in Jesus Christ. And it's understanding the difficulties of both the Christian life and ministry that the Apostle Paul writes to his young protege in the faith, Timothy. He writes what we have in the Bible as the second letter to Timothy. And he does this, or he presents this writing to his young protege to encourage him to persevere. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul will offer encouragement to Timothy. And by extension, every believer in this room here on how to persevere both in the Christian life and ministry. Lord willing, we will see that one, God gives strength for perseverance. And two, that as a part of our perseverance, we are to have gospel multiplication in our lives. And last but certainly not least, as we persevere in the Christian life and ministry, we should not only expect, but we should embrace suffering for the sake of the gospel. So if you have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7, through 7, I'd like to invite you, if you are able, to stand with me in honoring the reading of the Word of God. Hear this morning the Word of our Lord. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Strength for the Christian life and ministry is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. And that's our first point here this morning. Strength for the Christian life and ministry is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. If you're familiar with the book of 2 Timothy, you would have known that in chapter 1, we read that Timothy had been struggling both in his Christian walk and in the ministry that he was a part of. See, Timothy was prone to be fearful, Timothy was prone to be ashamed of the sufferings of both Christ and of Paul in chapter 1, verse 8. Timothy had the um, temptation to shrink back from his pastoral duties. He was dealing with pressures both from inside and outside the church. And Paul, a seasoned minister of the gospel, was fully aware of the struggles of Timothy. And as a good spiritual father, Paul pins 2 Timothy to his child in the faith. And in verse 1, he tells Timothy to strengthen himself by the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Now, why do you suppose that Paul would write these words in chapter 2, verse 1? Friends, I submit to you this morning that it is because the only way that Timothy would persevere the only way that Timothy would remain faithful in the Christian life and ministry is if he had supernatural strength. Strength that is found in Christ Jesus. Now it's important to understand that the verb in the command, be strengthened by the grace found in Christ Jesus, is a present passive imperative. In other words, Paul is instructing Timothy that he is responsible to continuously strengthen himself, yet the ability to strengthen himself comes from God 
So let's unpack that for just a moment. First, let's look at the phrase, in Christ Jesus. If you were to look back at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, I'm not going to read it for sake of time. There you would see that Paul told Timothy that before creation, God willed, according to his own purpose and grace, to save us. And that this grace by which we were saved was manifested, or it was made known, or it was displayed in Christ Jesus. In other words, everything Christ did in his incarnation, in the work on the cross, in the resurrection, everything that Christ did is the means by which grace strengthens sinners. Sinners who trust in Christ for salvation. Paul, both in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, is making clear that Jesus Christ is the source of the grace that Timothy is to be strengthened. As one theologian puts it, Paul commends Timothy to a source of empowerment that transcends mere flesh and blood. But we're left here this morning with this question, how does grace strengthen Timothy? You see, oftentimes in the Christian faith, we think of grace as that which forgives sins. And it is that, yes and amen. But grace is also power. Let me demonstrate that to you just a moment. If you would hold your place in 2 Timothy and flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, a very famous passage. There you will read these words by the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 4. Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, in your Bibles, you probably have this hyphen. And then he puts, he inserts this phrase. He says, By grace you have been saved, hyphen. Then he continues on. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, if you actually follow how Paul structured verses 4, 5, and 6, when you get to the end of verse 5, Paul could have gone right into verse 6 without that phrase. But what he does is he inserts this phrase, by grace you have been saved, to demonstrate that grace is the power that takes dead people and makes us alive. In other words, you might think of it this way. Grace is not just a disposition. It is the very power by which you and I, believers, have been made alive in Christ. God exerted the power of grace to make us dead people alive. And you know, when you read the New Testament, you actually see grace as power throughout multiple passages. But I want to offer two this morning for you to read later on. I won't read them right now. The first is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. There, Paul says that it was the power of God's grace exhorted on his life that allowed him to work harder than all of the apostles. The second passage that you might write down and, and read later this evening is, is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. There, Paul tells the Corinthians that it is the power of grace that enables us believers to do good deeds. Friends, grace is not just God's disposition towards us. 
It is the very power by which we are to persevere in this Christian life and ministry. And Paul is making it abundantly clear in verse 1 that Timothy cannot strengthen himself. He cannot make it through the Christian life and ministry on his own strength. The only way he's going to persevere is if he strengthens himself in the strength provided through Christ Jesus. I want to offer up two simple applications for us. Practically speaking, Timothy and all of us are strengthened by one looking to Christ. You see, everything that Christ is and everything that he has done, as we look to him, as we see his sufficiency, as we see his life and his triumph over death, we will be strengthened. But we don't just look to him. Number two, we trust him. Because as we look to Christ, as we see his life demonstrated in the scriptures, as we recall the power of our risen Savior, see his sufficiency and his promises, we will be drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's important, to trust that because of Christ, we will have all that we need to persevere in this Christian life and ministry. So brothers and sisters, if you find yourself in a similar place to that of Timothy, where you, you have been tempted to shrink back from living the Christian life according to the scriptures, I want to first encourage you to understand this truth. You cannot persevere on your own strength. You will fail. But here's what Paul tells Timothy and all of us. That there is strength available for you and it is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, as Paul encouraged Timothy, to strengthen yourself in the grace found in Christ Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, look to Christ. All that He is, all that He has done, and continue to trust Him with your life. He is good. He is faithful. He will never leave you, and He will give you the grace to persevere. But I also want to speak briefly to the one who says, Matt, I've been here. I've been persevering. I'm just tired. Well, friend, take heart. Our weariness only serves to remind us that this world is not our home. We await a better home. But until the Lord brings you home, keep your eyes on Christ. He will sustain you. He will give you the grace to persevere. But lastly, I, I want to take a moment to even talk to the person in here who is not in Christ. You are not a professing believer. You see, this strength that Paul talks about in chapter 2 is for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are not a follower of Christ, friend, you do not have access to this strength that Paul speaks of. And the reason is, is just like every believer in here prior to our salvation, we sinned and we owed a great debt to this holy God. And our sin required that death be given. And God, in his kindness, sent Christ to live the life we could never live. 
God sent Christ to die the death reserved for sinners. And praise the Lord, three days later, Christ rose from the grave, defeating death and sin once and for all, so that all who would turn from their sins and trust in Christ alone will be forgiven and saved. Friend, if you are here and you have never turned away from your sins, you've never trusted in Christ alone for salvation, would you please see Pastor Caleb or myself? We would love nothing more than to share with you this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul tells Timothy that the strength to persevere in the Christian life and ministry is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. Now friends, the reason that Timothy needs strength is because of what Paul calls him to in verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Perseverance in the Christian life and ministry requires gospel multiplication. And that's our second point here this morning. Perseverance in the Christian life and ministry requires gospel multiplication. You see, friends, Timothy needed to be strengthened in the grace found in Christ Jesus because he had a job to do. And Paul tells us in verse 2 that that job was to entrust the gospel that he had been taught, that he had received. He needed to take it and entrust it to faithful men who would continue on in the same vein. Paul really wanted this emphasized in Timothy's life as he continues in his ministry there in Ephesus. You might actually think of verse 2 this way. Paul wants Timothy to give away the gospel. Now I find the command in verse 2 fascinating. Because in scripture, the gospel is often referred to as a treasure. And what do you typically do with a treasure? You don't give it away. No, friends, you guard it, you keep it, you want to protect it. And that's precisely what Paul called Timothy to do back in chapter 1, verse 13. He said, young Timothy, I want you to guard this good deposit, this treasure, this gospel. Yet, a few verses later, in chapter 2, verse 2, Paul is telling Timothy to give away the gospel. You see, the implication is you guard the gospel by giving it away. Now, five years ago, my grandfather passed away. He was a very godly, godly man. A, a man that God used to quite literally change the trajectory of the Weesey family tree. And shortly after he died, my grandmother brought me into their room. And she handed me a box. In the box was my grandfather's watch. This watch is one of my treasures. You see, I have fond memories of my grandfather wearing his watch, and, and he had this wood shop in his backyard. And, and I remember being a young boy just watching him just play, uh, playing a piece of wood as he would get, get it ready to build another grandfather clock. And I have memories sitting next to him in church where just out of his suit coat, that watch would peek out. And, and so when my grandmother gave it to me, I was honored, I was happy, and I have worked hard to keep it. Do you know how I guard my grandfather's watch? I don't wear it. I don't let other people wear it. And as much as I love my children, I don't let them touch it. No, no friends, I, I keep it securely locked away in my room. 
And every so often, what I do is I pull the watch out, I open the box, and, and fond memories of this godly man that God used to shape much of who I am today come rushing in, and I praise the Lord for this godly man and his influence in my life. But when I'm done, I close the box, and I put it back. I do so because I hope to pass on this watch one day to my children. But the gospel? Friends, the gospel is not to be guarded the way I guard my grandfather's watch. It's not to be pulled out every so often, perhaps on a Sunday morning. You come, you hear the gospel, you think about it a little bit, then you put it away and you go live your life separately. No, the gospel is to permeate every part of our lives and it must be heralded and proclaimed to all the people that God places in your life. The gospel is a glorious treasure that should never be hidden away. Church, you guard the gospel by passing it on to other faithful people. Now perhaps you are saying, Matt, I'm very familiar with the letter of 2 Timothy. And this letter was written from an apostle to a pastor. And I am not an apostle. And I would say yes and amen, you are not. And you might even say, I'm not a pastor, so this doesn't apply to me. And I would say it's true. This letter is from an apostle to a pastor. And and the specific application of this verse is that pastors need to guard the gospel by making sure that they pass on the gospel to faithful, elder-qualified men who will continue on in the same vein. But broadly speaking, this verse applies to all Christians. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, you signed up to teach others how to follow Jesus. We call this discipleship. And that's what Jesus modeled for us in the gospel accounts of his life. And that is the last thing recorded in the book of Matthew where Jesus had gathered many of his disciples on the side of the mountain. You recall Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus commands his disciples to go make disciples of all nations. And what are they to do after that? Teach all that he had commanded. Friends, the Christian life is one of passing on the gospel. How? By teaching those that God has placed in your life the full counsel of the scriptures. As followers of Jesus Christ. Christian, you are tasked with making disciples by taking what you have been taught here at this church by your pastor and passing it on to those whom God has placed in your life. Fathers, how are you doing at working to disciple your children? Mothers, in the the crazy chaos of life, have you slowed yourself down to take time to point your children to Christ? To those who maybe are a little more advanced in years, are, are you taking time to pour into the younger believers of this church? Church, are you working together to make the glories of the gospel known among each other and the people with whom God has placed in your life? You see, we are to pass on the gospel to other people. But we are to not do so carelessly. You see, the word entrusting there signifies carefulness 
and precision. Paul is telling Timothy that he must be firm in the gospel. He must be firm in sound doctrine so that he can rightly teach and entrust the gospel to others. And friends, the same applies to you and I here this morning. As Christians, we must be careful students of the word of God. We must be precise with the gospel. We must be rooted firmly in sound doctrine so that we may pass on the truth to others so that this church continues to be a light for the sake of the gospel as long as the Lord tarries. So brothers and sisters, I ask you simply this morning, individually, how are you doing at making disciples? Are you sharing the gospel with the lost people that God has placed in your life? Are you taking time to equip the younger believers in your life with the gospel? Even corporately, praise the Lord, I hear that the testimony of this church is that you love the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are working to make him known. And I want to encourage you to keep pressing on. So Paul tells Timothy that the strength to persevere in the Christian life and ministry is found in the grace of Christ Jesus. And Timothy needed that strength because the Christian life is one of gospel multiplications. It's hard work to entrust the gospel to others. In verses 3 through 7, Paul tells Timothy that he should, also, he should expect and embrace suffering for the sake of the gospel. And that is our third point this morning. We persevere in the Christian life and ministry by embracing suffering for the sake of the gospel. Look at verse 3 with me. In verse 3, Paul says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul calls Timothy for the second time in this short letter to join him in suffering for the gospel's sake. And Paul will go on to mention two more times in this letter that Timothy needs to jump in to the suffering at hand for the sake of the gospel. Friends, following Christ exposes believers to sufferings and persecution. If you don't believe me, you can look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, and there you will read these words. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. So Timothy, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, needed to be prepared for the suffering that would come his way. Why is Paul calling Timothy to share in suffering? Church, it's because for the gospel to advance, Paul knows that suffering will be inevitable and faithfulness in the midst of it will be necessary. And in verse 3, Paul tells Timothy, as I've said, to share in suffering because the road of suffering is not going to be easy. So Paul, in his kindness, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, offers three metaphors. Three metaphors for the mindset that one must have if we are to expect and embrace suffering for the gospel's sake. The first is a metaphor of a soldier. Look in verse 4 with me. Paul says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Friends, a soldier metaphor embodies the virtue of single-mindedness. See, a good soldier is single-minded, giving his full attention to his military task and obeying his commanding officer. 
He works diligently not to become involved in the day-to-day minutiae of civilian affairs. Rather, he gives himself wholeheartedly to the task at hand and to pleasing his commanding officer. And Paul's point here is that if Timothy is going to remain faithful, if he's going to persevere when suffering comes, he needs to be focused. He needs to be single-minded on the task that God had called him to. He will have to shake off the distractions of the world. All the things that are vying for his attention. He will have all those things that are seeking to pull him away from obedience to Christ. Timothy needed to shake them off and give himself fully to the service of Christ. And while the need for single-minded service has special relevance for church leaders, friends, it extends to all believers. If we are going to know the gospel and sound doctrine, if we are going to pour into others so that the gospel may be passed down, if we are going to proclaim the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost people in our lives, we must have a single-minded devotion to Christ. The ease with which we may become entangled with the things of this world only serves to heighten the need for us to be single-minded soldiers of Christ Jesus. So I present this question to you this morning. Friends, have you lost your focus? Have you become entangled in the things of this world such that you are no longer willing to endure hardships and difficulties and trials and suffer for the sake of our King and His gospel? See, Paul reminds Timothy not to become entangled with the things of this world, things that would distract him from being single-minded in his devotion to shepherding the flock that God had given him. Where are you in your single-minded devotion to Christ? The, The second metaphor that Paul provides Timothy is that of the athlete. Look at verse 5. The athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul portrays the Christian life like an athletic competition. It's not a life of leisure. It's not a life of a spectator sport. No, this life of an athlete is one of rigorous training. The Christian life and ministry are are one of rigorous training with the goal of winning the victor's crown. As Dr. Kostenberger rightly highlights, Paul's point is that Timothy cannot be content with a casual, self-indulgent approach to his life and ministry. Secondly, Paul explains that the Christian life is to be lived according to a specific set of rules. We believe that Paul has in mind the ancient Greek games here in this text. And what we know of the ancient Greek Greek games is that athletes were required to come before judges and pledge by oath before both the judges and Zeus that they had completed at least 10 months of training prior to competing in the games. They did so because these were the rules. Likewise, did you know that there are rules when it comes to following Christ? One of them is self-denial. The gentleman read it earlier, Matthew 16, 24. The words of our Lord says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Or perhaps Matthew 10, verse 38, Jesus says that anyone who does not take up his cross and follow him is not worthy of him. 
Friends, verse 5 is a call to Christians to be ready and willing to suffer as followers and proclaimers of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And I say all that I'm about to say in humility and love. But if you are unwilling to endure suffering for the sake of the gospel, then you cannot be Christ's disciple. Hebrews 2, verses 7 and 9 tells us that you cannot receive the victor's crown and spurn the victor's cross. So the athlete is disciplined to compete according to the rules. He's single-minded in his pursuit of living the life that allows him to compete in the games that he so desires to do so. The third metaphor that Paul offers us is that of a farmer. And by show of hands, how many of you have been or spent significant time on a farm? That is four more than I thought we would get. That's impressive. Well, I grew up in the Philippines. I I haven't spent time on a farm, but my co-elder, Nate Young, grew up on a farm in Iowa. And so I asked him just to help elaborate, help me understand the farmer a little bit more. And as we see in verse 6, Paul says, it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. And Nate told me the farmer always illustrates hard work. That's what they are known for in Iowa. They are hardworking men and women. And he said, consider a typical farmer's life. The farmer is up early, often before the sun rises. He works all day. His work is never complete. He's always on guard against damage to his crops. And often he is met with disappointments. Nothing happens quickly. So the farmer must patiently endure devoting himself to the task of farming. Friends, Paul's goal in providing this metaphor is to draw us back to the hard work of gospel ministry. As Christians, we proclaim the gospel. We strain and we struggle and we persevere on with our commitments. And no, it's not easy. And of course, it's not without its difficulties and its trials and sufferings. But as the metaphor states, those who work hard, those who are devoted to the task at hand of gospel ministry, will be the first in line for the reward. And as we'll see shortly, that the reward is worth the suffering. Like verses 4 and 5, verse 6 is a word picture of what joining Paul in suffering looks like. It's hard, it's tedious, and there is often little to no worldly appreciation. But it is worth it because Christ is worth it. Paul wraps up this section by saying in verse 7, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul wants Timothy, he wants all of his readers to consider these metaphors carefully. These three metaphors provide the mindset that we are to have if we are to persevere through difficulties and trials and and sufferings and persecution in the Christian life. See, all three metaphors demonstrate hardships and, and sufferings and trials, but they equally demonstrate the prize. The athlete or the uh, soldier's prize is completing the task at hand and, and winning 
the watchful eye of his commanding officer. The athlete gets to compete in the games and, Lord willing, win his prize, and the farmer reaps his crops. Paul wants Timothy and all of us to understand that this world, there are going to be struggles and difficulties in the Christian life and ministry. And it is hard. And he wants Timothy and he wants all of us to understand that although these difficulties come, there is coming a day in which we will receive the reward. And what is the reward? Well, in the hymn in verse 12, Paul writes these words, if we endure, we will also reign with him. The prize is reigning with God forever. So while the Christian life and ministry are hard, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to continue pressing on. Be reminded that as Christians, we are to entrust the gospel to others. We should expect and embrace suffering for the sake of the gospel, but we do not do any of this on our own strength. We persevere in the Christian life and ministry by the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Friends, the resurrection of Christ assures us that we will have everything we need to persevere. And one day soon, we will receive the reward for persevering. We will see our Savior face to face. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for a few moments in your word this morning. I thank you for your kindness in providing the scriptures to us. I thank you for the fact that in Christ we have all that we need to continue on in our perseverance. And that our perseverance is not contingent upon our own strength, but it is fully guaranteed in, in Christ Jesus. And so I pray for each and every one of us that we will keep our eyes on Christ that we will work hard by the power of the Spirit to entrust the gospel to faithful men, and that we would not only expect but embrace the suffering that you give us as a good God, knowing, Father, that any trials and struggles and difficulties we are walking through, you will be faithful to walk with us and provide the grace we need to honor you as we persevere. Thank you for your kindness to us this morning. In Jesus' name.